Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Well, last week we started talking about the theme of joy at Christmas and about how to have it, but maybe we asked the question, why? Like, why can we even say that we have joy at Christmas time? What do we have to be so joyful about? We sang that song, Joy to the World, as we wrapped the service up last week. But maybe we asked the question, what are we so joyful about? I've asked that question before. I've had the privilege of living in several different parts of the country and spent my college years, five years, in the Springfield, Missouri area. And then right after that, we lived for three years in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, before we moved to Toledo. And uh, great places, loved living there, have a lot of memories, a lot of friends. They were really good experiences. But one of the things I learned is that different parts of the country have different personalities. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like people are different in different places. And Springfield, Missouri is a very different place from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And I can remember we'd lived in Milwaukee for a little while and wonderful people and we, we had a great experience there. But I remember we were living in Milwaukee and I remember going through a drive-through at McDonald's one time and the person in that drive-through window was just normal. They weren't necessarily rude, but I remember thinking, boy, are they grumpy. You just kind of had this vibe. And then after I'd been there for a little while, I remember we did a road trip back to Springfield, Missouri. And I remember as we pulled into town, we, we went through a drive-through place to pick something up to eat before we went to where we were staying. And I can remember, we'd, we'd just gotten into town. I remember going through the drive-through and as the, the young lady in the drive-through started handing us our food, she was just so nice and so happy. And she just said, I hope you have a great day as we were pulling away. And I remember thinking, what are you so happy about? Right, it just, I had taken on the personality of the different places where I've lived. And sometimes you're in a season of life where you just go, what are you so happy about? <laughs> what are you so joyful about? Maybe you ask that question at Christmas. Like you talk about joy. What do you got to be so joyful about? Look, when we talk about joy, we're not talking about all the stuff of Christmas, not all the commercial side and, and not all the, the things that are wrapped up with gift giving or the music or the cookies or, or whatever. And there's nothing wrong with any of those things. But when you look at all that, joy is something bigger and deeper when we talk about that. Why does Christmas not br just bring joy to the world? But I would contend today that, that Christmas brings joy to your world. And we live in a world right now that is a whole lot of things other than joyful. Like it doesn't take you long to realize that the world that we're in, the culture that we're in, the tensions that we see and that we face in so many places, joy wouldn't be the word that you would describe it. So how is it that we talk about joy in this season? And I wanna talk to you about not just joy for the world, but joy for your world. Why do we talk about joy at Christmas? I think it starts with this passage in Luke chapter two. It just kind of gives us insight into this, why we talk about this idea of joy. Luke chapter two, verse 10, this is where the shepherds are out in the field, and this is where they have the opportunity to hear from the angels that are there. And in Luke chapter two, verse 10, we read, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Talks here about why do we have great joy? Because we have good news. The reason there is joy in the world and the reason you can have joy in your world is because of this good news. That's the source of the joy. Look, we're in a season 
Just because we're, we're in even the Christmas season, we're in a season where a lot of times people wrestle with joy every year. Some people have difficulty in this season. Many of us, it reminds us of things that we've lost or the difficulties or the busyness or all those things. And then you throw in maybe this has been a tough year for you and you're wrestling with joy. I wanna talk about why we can have joy in our world even when the world may be without joy in so many different ways. Three things I wanna help you to see today. Here's the first one. Number one, we have joy in a frustrated world. Number one, we have joy in a frustrated world. I think you would, would connect with this thought that, that so many things in our world right now show a frustration that people are experiencing. Maybe think about it for a minute. What makes you frustrated? What frustrates you? I got thinking about this a little bit, and, and this is just a few true confessions. One of the things that frustrates me is people in the middle of the aisle with their shopping cart moving way too slow. Can I get an Amen. Right, anybody? Man, that frustrates me. Or if I'm in a place, maybe, maybe this is a common theme that I need to pray about. If I feel like I'm, I'm waiting too long for my food, like in a restaurant or drive-in or dri- drive-through, you know, do you know what I'm talking about? It's like, God, oh, it's just, I get so frustrated. I get frustrated when I ask a question and feel like I'm not getting straight answers. Anybody else? I get frustrated when I do not know what's going on. I have the spiritual gift of being a control freak. Anybody else? Can I get an amen? Right? And, and I get frustrated when I feel like I don't know what's going on. Now, those are personal frustrations. We've got cultural frustrations, right? We've got all kinds of frustrations in our world. And, and I know we've been saying this repeatedly. We've been living in this place. But I want to call it out because even just this, this week, I've been talking with people who are struggling with some of these things. We've got pandemic frustrations. We've got politic frustrations. Not knowing who or what to believe creates frustrations. The other reason I point that out is because that's what it was like in the world when Jesus was born. Jesus was born into a frustrated world, in a frustrated time, in a frustrated culture. It was a time of political tension. People were struggling in so many ways. He was born into a frustrated time. So where does frustration come from? I wanna show you two things that I think this text helps us with. Fear can lead to frustration. When you're fearful about something, when there's fear in your life, and I don't mean you're a scaredy cat. I don't mean that in a way that, that you immediately think I'm calling you weak. I think we all know what it's like that if we dig deep down, there's something that's causing us some angst or discontent or, or we're just, we have this feeling that ultimately is because we are afraid of what the outcome might be. And that fear can lead to frustration in our lives. Look, and that's a natural experience so many times, even with good things. Look at this, Luke chapter two, verse eight. Watch the shepherd's experience. Remember, we're, we're talking about when the Christmas story, the shepherds and the angel comes to them. It says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. Of course they were. <laughs> These are guys who live out in the field. Same thing, every day, every night. They're just taking care of the sheep. And all of a sudden, you, you get a fireworks show? Of course they're terrified. They'd not seen anything like this before. It was a crazy experience. And this, this fear would have somehow caused them to have this feeling of unknown, of angst. It's a natural response. And then watch what happens. Verse 10, Luke chapter two. It says, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. It's an interesting trade-off here. He says, look, you are terrified, but I'm bringing you joy. 
I know you're fearful, but what I'm gonna offer you instead is joy. There's, there's a part of this Christmas story, and if you're frustrated with things that are causing fear in your life right now, please grab hold of this. Christmas reminds us that we can trade our fears for joy. Christmas reminds us that we can trade our fears for joy. I'm not minimizing your fears. I'm not saying you don't have things to be concerned about. I'm not saying you haven't been caught off guard. I'm not saying you're not frustrated by the way they seem to come at you when you don't expect it. I'm just saying that if we'll get the right perspective on the Christmas story, it will remind us that we can trade our fears for joy. Let me give you a little story to, to give it a little bit of perspective because this is where the, the good news lands. It's, it's in this perspective that we can get on our frustrations. I can remember, man, this has got to be um, you know, 19, 20 years ago, our, 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 our kids were little. And I can remember Evan, our, our youngest, had been given this, this toy. And I don't know if you're a parent, maybe you realize this, that other people like to give your kids toys that make a lot of noise. Does that make sense? You don't necessarily buy those. Other people buy the toys that make noise for your kids. And somebody had given Evan this little dinosaur that was cool, like if, if you push the buttons on it, it would make noise and stuff. And then if it rolled, when it would roll, it would go, Rawr! you know, it'd make this really weird digital noise and light up and all this stuff. So, so it was cute and it's cool and whatever, right? So I remember one Sunday morning, and Sunday mornings have always been a time where, because of what I do as a pastor, I, I'm, I'm up earlier than most of my family. I usually am out the door before many of them are awake. And it was especially true when my kids were little, and I can remember I got up, I got ready, and I was like, I was like kind of sneaking out of the house because we were still at that, at that age where if my kids heard me, it might wake them up and then Rhonda would pay for it. Do you know what I mean? And I remember I was sneaking out and the house we lived in had these like real creaky wood floors and I was walking through the living room like kind of real quiet and all of a sudden, and I don't know what triggered it or what, the little dinosaur goes, Rawr! scared the life out of me. I like jumped, freaked out, kind of panicked. What's going on? Lights going off. Like you just, you don't know what's happening. And this, this fear, crazy thing, you know, because my, my brain was so many places, this fear grips my heart until I realize it's that dumb toy. Like it's that dumb dinosaur that so-and-so bought Evan, <laughs> right? So now my bitterness has skyrocketed. But here's what happened. Once I realized that when I tell the story, now it's funny because I was able to trade out what was fear in the moment for joy in the long term. Why? Because I realized what scared me so bad in that moment was really something that in the big picture I didn't need to be scared about. And I think that happens in my life so often. I let the things that make a lot of noise, that come at me real strong, I let them throw me off my game, I let them mess up my life, I let them take up real estate in my brain when I really need to realize that God is bigger than that thing that I fear, that he has good news, that he wants to bring great joy if I'll trade it out for my fears in those times. And I have to be reminded what scripture says. Scripture tells me that when I fight a battle, the battle is not mine. Scripture says that the battle is, anybody? <laughs> the Lord's, right? So when I face those things, I'm reminded, Christmas reminds me that Jesus is bigger than my fears and that I can trade my fears for joy. If I'll do that, it will eliminate a lot of frustration in my life. So will this. What else leads us to frustration so many times? Well, if you're familiar with the history of that day and time, 
You know that the Jewish people were adamantly waiting for what they referred to as the Messiah, for someone to come and rescue them from Roman oppression, to rescue them from the things that seemed to be holding them down. They were looking for freedom, and they had many messiahs who showed up, but they weren't the real messiah. And time after time after time, they experienced disappointment, and disappointment can lead to frustration. Like It leads us to a point where we just get so frustrated when things aren't what they seem to be, when life seems unreliable, when there's a lack of clarity, when we see hypocrisy, when we face disappointment. And the shepherds would have known that, and the people in that day would have known that, and the people who would hear the story for centuries afterwards, you know what it's like to have disappointment lead to frustration. And what you have to do is find something that you know will not disappoint. There's a beautiful part of the Christmas story here that reminds us what will not disappoint. Look at this. Luke chapter 2, verse 11 tells us, and oftentimes we'll hear this. I, whenever I read this verse, I hear Linus in the, the Charlie Brown Christmas. Do you know what I'm talking about? Today in the town of David... A savior has been born to you. I, I, just, I just stop right there because it's so significant that he says in the town of David. That, that's kind of a code way to say in Bethlehem. And the reason that this is significant is because it wasn't just random that Jesus was in Bethlehem. This was fulfilling prophecy from hundreds of years before. Look at this, Micah chapter two tells us but you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, and, and that, that word Ephrathah has to do with kind of the clan, the, almost like the neighborhood or the group in Bethlehem. Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. So this is a prophecy hundreds of years before Jesus is born in the Old Testament in the book of Micah that says that when the Messiah comes, the Messiah will be born in Bethlehem to the point then that in the Gospel of John, as, as you look later in the Gospel, here's how the people felt in that time. John chapter seven, verse 42 tells us, does not scripture say that the Messiah will come from David's descendants and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? So when it says that today in the town of David, there's a savior that's been born, it is connecting the birth of Jesus back hundreds of years of prophecy to what God had said. Here's what I want you to be reminded of. Christmas reminds us that God keeps his promises. God is, if he said it, he's gonna do it. <laughs> You can rely on him. You can count on him. You can trust in him. And sometimes when we're frustrated, we wonder, is this ever going to work out? Is this ever going to be the way I thought it would? And the reality is that just that very prophecy reminds us that God keeps his promises. What promise did he make? Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you how this plays out. Here's, here's the promise. We see it in the next place where joy comes in our world. Number two, we have joy in a lonely world. Second thing that I wanna show you today is that we have joy in a lonely world. I don't know where you are, or the people around you, but loneliness is often referred to in our culture as an epidemic. 54% of people, over half of people that are asked, say they always or sometimes feel that no one knows them well. People feel alone, 20% of Americans say they rarely or never feel close to people. 78% of Americans, when lonely, distract themselves with their TV, computer, 
or video games. And there's a 26% increased risk of early death for those suffering from loneliness. Did you, did you get that? If you suffer from loneliness, there's a 26% increase in the risk of an early death. And can I tell you something about those stats? Those stats were published in 2019, published before this year that we've had. And so the reality is for many of us, we know loneliness, we've experienced loneliness. And how do you, how do you navigate this? And how, how do you find joy in a world that's filled with loneliness? Go back to the text, Luke chapter two, verse 11. We read this. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. A savior has been born to you. There's some significant things there. One, I think it's really significant that it says that he was born, right? He didn't just show up. He didn't make some kind of grand arrival. He, he wasn't like an alien coming from outer space. He literally came. Jesus came and took on flesh. He was born. He's fully God, but scripture also says that he's fully man, that, that Jesus took on the form of humanity so that he was God in the flesh. We, we use the word the incarnation. Jesus came to be God incarnate, to be God right here in the flesh like us. Here's how the apostle John describes it. John chapter one, verse 14. He says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Why would he do that? Why, why would God come in human form? I think for two reasons. So that we would know that he knew what it was like to be one of us. The book of Hebrews tells us that he was tempted in every way like we are, yet without sin. It reminds us that he knew what it was like to be one of us, but it also shows us, it proves to us that because he was one of us, he was able to make things right for all of us because he took on the human flesh. When he died on that cross, he died for our sins. And for those of you that are lonely, please know that when you feel alone, you can still find joy because Jesus came to be one of us, to be with us. Jesus came to be God with us. Max Lucado tells the story about Billy Joel. You're probably familiar with the musician, Billy Joel, that when his daughter had her 12th birthday, she was in New York City, but he was in Los Angeles. They had the whole nation between them. And that morning he called her up and he said, I'm really sorry, honey, but I, I'm, I'm out here on the West Coast and I can't be with you today for your birthday but I'm, I'm making a very special delivery, so you're gonna get a large package later today, and I want you to be ready for this very special present. I think you're gonna enjoy it. And so later that day, there was a ring at the doorbell, and this little 12-year-old girl ran to the door, and she threw it open, and when she did, there was a seven-foot-tall box that was there, kind of wrapped all up colorfully, and she began to rip open that package, and when she pulled it open, there was Billy Joel standing inside. And the piano man comes walking out of that box and she just goes crazy because he was right there with her. Think of that when you think about Christmas. That Jesus was willing to come in human flesh. He came to be with us. 
He came to be God with us. Unto you is born this day. He was born for you. He didn't just do it because it made a cool story. He did it because he wanted to be God with us. Matthew chapter one, verse 22 says it this way. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Not, not God who likes us, not God who might care about us, not God who we might know, but God who is with us. He walks with you day in, day out. The king of heaven has come to help us. That's a pretty powerful thing. I don't know if you saw in the news in the last uh, couple of weeks, but Prince Harry from uh, the United Kingdom, you guys ever heard of the Prince Harry? And he married Meghan Markle recently, and then they just moved to California. You know all that drama? Anybody follow all that drama? They just recently moved, and they live in California. And so they decided they would get themselves a live Christmas tree for that little house I'm sure they have. <laughs> and so they went to a local Christmas tree farm. They made all these arrangements so that they would go at a time when very few people were there. And while they were out trying to pick up their Christmas tree, another family came, and when they did, this little boy who was so excited to get a Christmas tree with his family went running up to Prince Harry and asked him if he worked there. <laughs> he, he doesn't. He doesn't work. And so that's the... That's an incredible thing, right? And people are like, oh, no, no, no. This is Prince Harry, all this kind of thing. And it was interesting. I couldn't help but think, you know, we have royalty who came to earth. And he came to work for us, didn't he? To be God with us. He came to do a work for us that would change our eternity. And I don't know how Prince Harry responded. But I do know how the Prince of Peace did. He came to be Emmanuel, God with us. Isaiah chapter nine, verse six tells us this, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. If you're lonely in this Christmas season, I wanna remind you that he is God with us. And if you need someone to be there to share your feelings with, he's a wonderful counselor. And if you feel like you don't have strength for this season, he's a mighty God. And if you wonder if anybody loves and cares for you, he's the everlasting father. And if you seem to be overwhelmed by the chaos of this world or of your world, He's come to be the Prince of Peace. He's come to be the one who brings us joy, even in the seasons of our loneliness, even in the seasons of our frustration. And maybe even most of all, number three, third thing, we have joy in a hopeless world. So many people, it seems like they've lost hope. And they're looking for that, that one thing that might bring on hope. If you're a sports fan, you, you know that feeling when you're watching and your team is down and you get to a certain point and you're just like, I've given up. I have lost 
hope, and then all of a sudden, and maybe, maybe you've had one of these moments, all of a sudden, it's like they take the miraculous shot at the buzzer and make it and win the game, or they kick the field goal in the last second and they win the game, or, or whatever it might be, there's these moments where you feel like you've lost hope, and then somebody shows up and changes everything. That's who Jesus came to be. Watch this, Luke chapter two, verse 11. In a world that was frustrated and lonely and hopeless, the angel shows up and says to the shepherds, today in the town of David, remember these, these words, a savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. He is the savior, the Messiah, the Lord. These things are really important. Let's talk about them for a moment. One, scripture tells us that Jesus is the savior. What does that mean? That he's the one who's come to save us. He's the one who's come to rescue us. What do we need rescued from? Well, ultimately death. <laughs> and death is the result of sin. And sin is something we've all done. And so because Jesus came to do what no one else can do, to be our savior, and if you've ever wrestled with the things that you've done and feel like you need forgiveness, if you've ever had questions about the future, if you've ever wondered if there's hope, Jesus is the one who's come to be your savior. Now the reality is you, you might be sitting there and you might be thinking to yourself, well, I don't, I don't know that I need a savior. I don't need anybody to save me. And if, if that's where you're at, that's, that's great. But if, if you can't tell me that you've, you've never felt some despair or you've never sensed some regret or you've never had a moment where you wondered if you could do this or if you could make it happen or you've never had that longing for forgiveness and grace in your life, then if you have, then what you need is a savior. Because the reality is, if you're like me, if you're like most people, what you've seen is over your life, when you try to do it on your own, the things you need saved from, just keep kind of piling up and piling up and piling up. Let me, let me give you a little PSA. Some of you may get some electronics for Christmas. You may get a new phone, a new tablet, something. And especially if you have kids or grandkids around, there are settings that you can do that if, if there's in-app purchases, you can make sure that it requires a password or you know, your face or whatever to do that. A lady learned this the hard way. Her name is Jessica and she was working from home. And so during this time, as she was working from home during this pandemic season, there were a lot of times when she would let her six-year-old just kind of hang out with the iPad. As he is, he's playing a Sega game. And as he was playing this on the iPad, and his mom's working from home, he started purchasing content. Started with $1.99 here and there, and then eventually there was like $99.99 because he's unlocking these boosters to get new characters and increase his speed. And George is having a great time and getting really good at this game. And this is going on month after month after month. As she tells the story, she says it became like a drug to him. <laughs> and she's clueless. She just starts seeing charges on her bank account. And it says that it's either coming through PayPal or Apple. And when she calls the bank, the bank says, yeah, often those are signs of fraud. And so the bank is investigating fraud. And by the time they figure out that, that this is fraud and it's happening, the bill had reached, are you ready for what George had done? $16,293.10. George was really good at this game. So she's got all this. It's all these fraud charges. They figure this out in July, but they can't tell what's going on. They think it's fraud until October 
when they finally figure it out, it's George and the game on the iPad. So she calls up Apple, and Apple answers, and she says, hey, can you help me? Here's what happened. Their response, this is her, this is her exact quote. She said, Apple told me, tough, because it's been 60 days, and you only have 60 days to contest these things. And she's like, 60 days ago, my bank told me they thought it was fraud, and I was waiting to get it figured out. <laughs> now, I don't know what's going to happen, but the reality is she needs someone to come and save her from George's sins. Isn't that true? And you need someone to save you from your own sins. Because my attitudes and my actions and my words and my thoughts and your and your and your, they keep adding up. And at some point, tough, there's nothing you can do about them. But that's why Jesus came. Luke chapter two says he came to be the savior, to save us from our sins. If you need forgiveness, if you can relate to George's sins when you think about your own, you need a savior. Not only is Jesus the savior, but Jesus is the Messiah as well. That word Messiah means the anointed one, the one who's to come. It's the one that Israel was waiting for, the Jewish people was longing for someone to come and be that savior, someone to come and rescue them. And some of you need hope. You, the word Messiah is filled with hope. If you need someone, realize that's who he wants to be in this Christmas season. And I know these can seem like empty, generic words to you because you've heard this whole thing before until you actually stop and say, man, Jesus, I need you. Because when you really stop and say, God, I need your help. Jesus, in my frustration and in my loneliness and in my hopelessness, I need you. And he's the one who comes and offers that hope. How can he do that? Because he's not just the savior and he's not just the Messiah, but that scripture tells us that today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. Jesus is the Lord. He is the one who is over everything. And when you read through the rest of the book of Luke, when you read through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you find out that there's nothing outside of his power. There was nothing he couldn't do when he was here in the flesh. And the reality is there's nothing that he can't do today because he is alive and well. And he is the Lord. He's the one who wants to bring you hope. And all this came wrapped up as a little baby Wrapped up as a little baby in a time when the world was in such a frustrated, lonely, and hopeless place. And if your world is there, I want to encourage you that today you can find joy, not just for the world, but joy for your world. And look, you, you can look in all kinds of different substitutes. You can try to find that joy in all kinds of different things during this season. But I'll tell you, it can only be found in one place. One last little thought about Luke chapter two, verse one. It tells us at the very beginning, and you may have heard this passage before, Luke chapter two, verse one, it says, in those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. Who's Caesar Augustus? Well, he's the Roman emperor, the most powerful man in the world. 
And we talked a couple of weeks ago about not only was he, was he the ruler, the, the king, the emperor, but they viewed him even as a god, that they would worship him. In fact, you want to know some of the terms that they would use for Caesar Augustus? They would at times call him their savior and their Lord. Actually, it was a big deal. On his birthday, they would have these celebrations and they would actually use the words when they would celebrate. Let us celebrate the birth of our savior for he has brought us good news. Isn't that interesting? And so when Luke uses some of those same words, When Luke says, I've got good news of great joy because there is a savior and a Lord who has come, but he's the Messiah. He's not just some Roman emperor who's gonna disappear years from now, who's just gonna fill up pages in an old history book. He is going to be the one who is alive and you can look for joy in all these other places. You can look for it in people and you can look for it in substitutes and you can try to... You try to meet the needs of your frustration and your loneliness and your hopelessness and all these other places, but joy begins with Jesus. It begins when you say, Jesus, you are my Lord. Jesus, you are the one who I give my life to. I can't do it on my own anymore. I offer my life to you. And so can I ask you just to bow your heads and close your eyes, whether you're in this room or you're watching this on a screen somewhere. Here's my my question for you. I ask you to do that. Not because there's something mystical or magical that happens when you close your eyes. I just know that I'm a distracted person. And sometimes I need to just stop and focus for a moment. Do you have joy this Christmas season? Or would you say your frustration has has gotten bigger than your joy. Maybe your loneliness has choked out your joy. Maybe you'd even say there's a, there's a spirit of hopelessness that I'm feeling and I need some joy. Joy comes when you say, Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I can't do this on my own anymore. I need that forgiveness. I need you to be God with me. I need you to come and, and, and walk with me to know that I can put my confidence and trust in you. And I wanna pray a simple prayer for you. Before I do, Pastor Bill's gonna come and we're gonna sing a a familiar Christmas song. It just says, oh, come let us adore him. And there's a line in there that recognizes him as Christ, that's another word for Messiah, the Lord. And when you sing that, don't just sing it like it's his first and last name. Sing it because that's who he is, the one who's come to give you joy. And as we sing this song, as we recognize who he is, would you let God's Holy Spirit do something powerful and fill your heart with joy? Father, as we sing this song, we make it our prayer. Lord, we ask you to put joy in our lives, to put joy in our hearts in this moment.